One of the questions that I have for you to ask yourselves is, how do I worship God? How do I worship? Worshiping means many things to different people. And it's not important about what I think worshiping is or what you think worship is. But what does God say about worshiping him? Amen. And some of the scriptures we're going to cover here today, and especially the, the opening one I'm going to give you in a minute, we actually addressed in Bible study. But during the Bible study, there was another aspect of these particular scriptures we were focusing on, how Jesus was talking to the woman in the well. But after those particular Bible studies, it was quickening in my spirit that we needed to dwell on a particular part of that, what Jesus said to the woman at the well. Because that has tremendous implications uh, to us as children of God, as Christians. So that's why I ask you, how do you worship God? And we have to look at what does God consider to be worship and how we should be worshiping him. So let's go to the book of John. The book of John, John chapter 4. Okay, John chapter 4. We've got a lot of scripture here, so I want to kind of go through and focus on the particular scriptures uh, that we need to look at. But we'll just start with, just to get, I want you to get everything in context, so that's why we're reading all of these other scriptures also. Uh, John chapter 4, and we're going to start with verse number 1. John chapter 4, verse number 1. Praise God. I'll wait for everyone to get there so we can all really dig into this. When therefore the Lord knew how the Pharisees, verse number one, when therefore the Lord knew how the Pharisees had heard that Jesus made and baptized more disciples than John, though Jesus himself baptized not but his disciples, he left Judea and departed again unto Galilee. And he must needs go, or he had to go, through Samaria. Okay, now we know there was a big issue between the Samaritans and the Jews. Then cometh he to the, a, a city of Samaria, which is called Sychar, or Sychar, near to the parcel of ground that Jacob gave to his son Joseph. Now Jacob's well was there. Jesus, therefore, being wearied with his journey, sat thus on the well, and it was about the sixth hour. Okay, being weary also signifies to us that in Jesus' humanity, he was just like us, he needed to have rest. Verse 7, There cometh a woman of Samaria to draw water, Jesus saith unto her, Give me to drink. For his disciples were gone away unto the city to buy meat. Then saith the woman of Samaria unto him, How is it that thou, being a Jew, see, asketh drink of me, which am a woman of Samaria? For the Jews have no dealings with the Samaritans. Jesus answered and said unto her, If thou knewest the gift of God, and who it is that saith to thee, Give me to drink, thou wouldst have asked of him, and he would have given thee living water. The woman, woman saith unto him, Sir, thou hast nothing to draw with, and the well is deep. From whence then hast thou living water? Art thou greater than our father Jacob, which give us the well, and drank thereof himself, and his children, and his cattle? Jesus answered and said unto her, Whosoever drinketh of this water shall thirst again. 
But whosoever drinks of the water that I shall give him shall never thirst. But the water that I shall give him shall be in him a well of water springing up unto everlasting life. The woman saith unto him, Sir, give me this water that I thirst not, neither come hither to draw. Jesus, Jesus saith unto her, Go, call thy husband, and come hither. Now, so far, the woman, everything Jesus is saying is going right over her, over her head. She doesn't understand where he's coming from. Verse 17. The woman answered and said, I have no husband. Jesus said unto her, Thou hast as well said, I have no husband. For thou hast had five husbands. And, and he whom thou now hast is not thy husband. In that saith thou truly. The woman saith unto him, Sir, I perceive that thou art a prophet. Our fathers worshipped in this mountain, and you say that in Jerusalem is the place where men ought to worship. Okay? Read that again. Our fathers worshipped in this mountain, and you say that in Jerusalem is the place where men ought to worship. Jesus said unto her, Woman, believe me, the hour comes when you shall neither be in this mountain, nor yet at Jerusalem. Worship the Father. You worship you, you worship you know not what. We know what we worship, for salvation is of the Jews. But the hour cometh, and now is, when the true worshippers, underline true worshippers, but the hour cometh, and now is, when the true worshippers shall worship the Father in spirit and in truth. Underline all of that, please. True, true worshippers shall worship the Father in spirit and in truth. For the Father seeks such to worship him. Underline that too, please. For the Father seeks such to worship him. God is a spirit, and they that worship him must worship him in spirit and in truth. Please highlight or underline all of that, please. And must worship him in spirit and in truth. And we're going to pause there. In this conversation, the woman was discussing places of worship with Jesus. Saying that the Jews worshipped at Jerusalem and while the Samaritans worshipped at Mount Gerizim. Jesus had just revealed that he knew about her many husbands. As well as the fact that the current man she lived with was not her husband. This made her uncomfortable. So she attempted to divert his attention from her personal life to matters of religion. Jesus refused to be distracted from his lesson on true worship and got to the heart of the matter. But the hour is coming, and now is, when the true worshippers shall worship the Father in spirit and in truth. For the Father seeks such to worship Him. And we're at that hour. We're at that hour, once again. We're here. Because you may ask yourselves if there are things going on in your life that you might be still wrestling with and still struggling with. And you're doing all of the other things. You're going to church, and you're tithing, and you're, you're doing what the Word of God says. The bottom line, though, how are you worshiping Him? And Jesus says here that the way that Father wants us to worship Him is in spirit and in truth. The overall lesson about worshiping the Lord in spirit and truth is that worship of God is not to be confined to the physical location of the church building. Let me read that again. All right. The overall lesson about worshiping the Lord in spirit and truth is that worship of the worship of God is not to be confined to the physical location of the church building. So it's not enough for us to come here on Sundays and hear the word of God for a couple of hours and raise our hands and sing songs to him. It's not enough. Something else must be going on in our lives. With the coming of Christ, the separation between Jew and Gentile was no longer relevant. 
nor was the central location of the physical church building. With the coming of Christ, all of God's children gained equal access to God through Him. Worship became a matter of the heart, not external actions, and directed by, rather, by truth rather than ceremony. So worshiping is, is a matter of the heart. It's not looking at how, what kind of a ceremony you put on to worship God. You know, and this is part of the problem that we see within the body of Christ because we have various denominations, quote unquote. We have various um, things that we do in churches and churches battle back and forth what is right and what is wrong and so forth. And your doctrine is, you know, if you're a believer in Jesus Christ, the time that you spend in church, hopefully the, the, the person conducting the service is doing it in line with God's word. But the most important thing is worshiping God in spirit and in truth. So what does that mean? Go to Deuteronomy chapter 6. This is all so important that we change our way, our way of thinking uh, uh, about these matters. Because um, You know, many times we may need something of someone, we may want something of someone, we may need a favor from someone, and does it greatly matter how you approach that person to ask about the favor or to get that to have your need addressed? It makes a big difference how you go to that person to have that favor given to you. Whether or not you're really, really asking in a way that would be pleasing to that person, you know. Imagine going up to someone and grabbing them in the car and saying, I need $500, you know. You know, I, I mean, and how you approach someone makes a big difference. Well, guess what? Newsflash, how we approach or maybe how we are not approaching God can make a big difference. Okay? God says, God says, God said that I require them to worship me in spirit and in truth. Deuteronomy 6, go to verse number 4. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God is one Lord. Interesting, we just sang that song, our God is one God. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God is one Lord. And thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thine heart, and with all thy soul, and with all thy might. Please underline or highlight all of verse number 7. And thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thine heart, and with all thy soul, and with all thine might. Moses sets down for the Israelites how they are to love their God. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, and with all your soul, and with all your might. Our worship of God is directed by our love for Him. As we love, so we worship. As we love, so we worship. Because the idea of might in Hebrew, in the Hebrew language, actually indicates totality. Okay, might meaning totality. Jesus expanded this expression to mind and strength. Go to Mark. Mark 12 Verse number 30. 
matter of fact, let's um, back up to 28. Mark 12, verse number 28. And one of the scribes came, and having heard them reasoning together, and perceiving that he had answered them well, asked him, Which is the first commandment of all? And Jesus answered him, The first of all the commandments is, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God is one Lord. Now, of course, he's referring right back to Deuteronomy. Okay? And thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, and with all thy soul, and with all thy mind, and with all thy strength. This is the first commandment. Okay, so underline, please, um, uh, verse number 30 there. Thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, with all thy soul, and with all thy mind, and with all thy strength. Alright? So we see here that Jesus expanded it beyond what was said in Deuteronomy, uh, uh, that we just read in Deuteronomy there. Uh, to worship God in spirit and in truth necessarily involves loving him with the heart, soul, mind, and strength. You see, the point that I'm making is that I, we, we need to grasp and understand that we think that if, someone was, if, if a reporter was to stop you on the street and say to you, how do you worship God? Many people would answer, well, every Sunday I go to church. How long is your church service? Ten minutes. Oh, no, our church service is, oh, boy, two hours. Look at me, I go to church for two hours. What about after church? What about before church? You see? But worship to us, when you, someone asks you, how do you worship? You say, well, I worship on Sunday. And then you'd proudly say, by the way, Sunday, not Saturday. And you get into this Sunday versus Saturday thing. Okay? What time is your service? Oh, our service starts at so and so. How long is it? Oh, man, it's two hours. And we've got all this great stuff. And that's your idea of worship. All right? What I'm saying here today, what I want you to grasp as we go through these scriptures here, that you really, 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 really need to start thinking about how you're really worshiping God. Because it could be making a difference between whether, whether or not you are successful in the things that you want out of life. Whether or not you are achieving your goals. Alright? Okay? So Jesus said here, you know, he expanded to, to mind and to strength. To worship God in spirit and truth necessarily involves loving him with heart, soul, mind, and strength. If we are to participate rightly in worship, we must worship in spirit. Let's understand what that means. Our worship must be heartfelt and alive in the power of Holy Spirit. In order for us to worship in spirit, we need the Spirit of God to seek us out and to make us alive. God must first come and draw us to himself, awaken us, quicken us, make us alive, and enable us to come. You can't come to God just dead, you know? You know? And, 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 and I, 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 I will say... Even when we're doing praise and worship, that's where it starts as far as being in a church service. And this is the time, the reason that we do praise and worship before we just jump into a sermon is to give us all time to to relax and get away from the drive that we took to get us here and to really get us into the mode of worshiping. And this is with all of your mind, with all of your body. And when we're doing praise and worship, we should be doing exactly that, praising and worshiping. Our minds should not be flitting all over the place. We should not be walking all over the place. Our minds should be focused on God, on worshiping Him. You know? You know? The other churches that we've had in, from, in back east, I know we had the ushers in the back of the room. If we were doing praise and worship and people showed up late, we, we held them there at the back door. 
Many of you here, I have observed that if we're into the praise and worship, you'll stand at the back and you'll wait. Because the idea is, is for, for us to, to hear, to be, to worship God, to get in tune with Holy Spirit. We're not just here just to kind of just, just gather and be lumps on the chair here for a couple of hours. You see? You see? You see? So praise God is with all of your heart and with all of your spirit. It, it, when we're here we're, and we're doing praise, you, you, you shouldn't be thinking about what's going on outside those doors. All of your mind, all of your spirit, with all of your strength, you know? You've got to get to the point that going to church is, not, is, is a whole lot more than going. I, I'm getting here to be with a bunch of other believers to worship God. Okay? You know? How are you going to, how are you going to withstand eternity? If you haven't learned to love God enough to worship Him, eternity is a long time. You know? I've seen people shift and sweat through an hour and a half sermon. <laughs> they're shifting and they're sweating. They're looking at their watches. They're texting and stuff like that. And if you can't worship and focus on God for a couple of hours, what are you going to do for an eternity? Okay? Okay? If there's someone in your life that you love, your husband, your wife, your boyfriend, your girlfriend, your someone, your mom, your dad, someone that you love, you can be around them for hours. You can look into their eyes, <laughs> you know, and love being around them for hours. This is where we need to get with God. Eternity is a long time. So how do we love God with all of our mind, with all of our spirit? As the Holy Spirit indwells us and enlivens our spirit, we see Christ as precious. We see our great need to be in Him, clothed in His righteousness alone. And we are able to worship God in spirit. Okay? I'm talking about a whole different... You, you really got to change your paradigm and change your head into terms of how am I worshipping God? Do I think of God as a concept? As may the force be with you? Someone's just, just floating around in the ethernet someplace? You know? Or, 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 or is he someone that I truly love? And I'm so thankful for all that he did for us. True worship must be in spirit. That is engaging the whole heart. Unless there is a real passion for God, there is no worship in spirit. Alright? Unless there is a real passion for God, there is no worship in spirit. Okay? Alright? Now, I know you think about someone in your life that you highly respect and, and they have a set of rules, perhaps, maybe, or something like that, and, 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 and you want to be in their presence. You wouldn't dare um, doing anything um, that that person would not want you to do. You just want to be in that person's presence all the time because there's a passion there. There's a passion. Unless there's a real passion for God, there is no worship in spirit. At the same time, at the same time now, worship must be in truth. In truth, that is properly informed. We must know what God is all about. Okay? There's worshiping in the Spirit. Then as the Word says, Spirit and in truth. So now, we must be properly informed. Unless we have knowledge of God, unless we have knowledge of God, there is no worship in truth. Okay? You can't say you're worshiping in truth if you have no knowledge of God. Alright? And having knowledge of God, again, goes beyond you simply being here for a couple of hours in church. Having knowledge of God is praying to God regularly, is, is, is reading His Word regularly, is really, really seeking Him out. When, when, when all of a sudden something in your life changes, shift all of a sudden, you know, things are going so right and well and things are changing, shift, you know, you know how do you deal with that? 
How do you understand that? What do you properly understand about what the Word of God says about what to do when things all of a sudden go awry in your life? Or do we, do we just suddenly forget? Or do we even say, oh, I don't want to bother God with this? Well, if you're under that understanding, you cannot be worshiping God in truth because that is so far from being true, it isn't funny. God wants to know everything that is going on in your life. I mean, obviously he does, but he wants, he gets to a place that, you, 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 you know, just like you may have, those of us who have had little children around us, especially when children are in a learning mode and they're learning things, you may sit back on the couch and you may watch this child just try something over and over, unsuccessful, unsuccessfully trying, and, and you'll kind of sit there and you'll, you'll kind of say sometimes, well, let me see if he's going to come ask me for help. Let me see if he's going to come. I know that he's not going to be able to do that yet. I need to help him. I need to show her how to do that. But many times the child won't come. Many times they'll just sit back and try and try and try. Most of us sitting here in this room, I'd like to say all of us sitting here in this room, if you went and banged your head against that wall and repeatedly found out that it hurt, I'd like to think that all of us would at some point stop. Okay? All right? Well, God kind of, I think, looks back at us sometimes. Here we're trying to accomplish something. God sees us. God knows the outcome. And yet still God waits for us to come to Him. He wants us to come to Him. And why is that? Why is that? Because we need to realize that we can't do things on our own. That we need God. If you're doing it the other way, that's an indication that if I just keep banging my head against the wall, I'll get through, I'll get through. I don't need God. I'm not even realizing I'm doing it the wrong way, which many of us do. Many of us think we're worshiping and we're not really worshiping God. And we don't realize it. You see? So this is why God sends a message. This is why God gives a word. This is why God prepares a sermon to tell you, to let you know what he expects of us in terms of worship. Because God walks around, He looks at us and He kind of sees it. Gee whiz, man, they, they don't understand that they're not worshiping me the way they should be worshiping me. Alright? But if you're not hearing Him, then God may choose someone else to bring the message. Because if things are, are, are missed in your life, then it might be because you're not really worshiping Him in spirit and in truth. God is an add-on to your life. God's an afterfact, afterthought. We bring him out on Christmas time, we bring him out on Easter, Mother's Day, Father's Day, all the days that people traditionally go to church. But you can't even drive to church because all of a sudden nine billion people all going to church on those three or four times a year. Okay? Oh, I went to church today. Yes, so while they were sitting there, they were thinking about the ham that was in the oven, they were thinking about the appointment after church. How are you worshiping God? How are you worshiping Him? And you've got to have that knowledge. If we are to participate rightly in worship, we must also worship in truth. Our worship must be saturated, saturated with God's word and offered in submission to God's word in order for us to worship in truth. I can't stand up here and give you some sermon on, on the effects of, of tweeting in our modern day society or the effects of Facebook in our modern day society. I mean, I could build a sermon on that for sure, <laughs> on both those subjects. But I'm saying, but like, that's not expounding God's truth. God's truth is where? It's in the Word of God. Okay? 
So we must worship him in spirit and in truth. We must pursue God and know God as he has revealed himself to us in his word. Not by what I tell you, but how God has revealed himself in, in his word. You see? You've got to have knowledge of God. You've got to get to the point that you know this book. That you know this book. That you know where God is coming from in this book. Amen? Having knowing where God is coming from in this book will keep you from a whole lot of heartache. Because I tell you one thing, there are many, many people that you run with in your, in your day-to-day lives that don't know God according to that book. And if you're not careful, they'll pull you astray. Because they'll say, in my church we do that. In my church it's okay, it's okay to do that. We do this, we celebrate this, we go here, we go there, in my church, in my... What does the Word of God say? So how can you worship God in spirit and in truth if you're going on somebody else's version of the truth? You see? This is why you've got to know the Word. If, someone, if you were to ask someone, you know, just to be, to be testy, you were to ask someone, by the way, can you tell me how to get home? Oh, go down to 5th Street, make a left turn, and you live in the opposite direction. You're obviously not going to follow that direction. Why? Because you know. You know your way home. Alright? See? But many times we sit in other churches. We sit in, and I'm not pointing at any church or anything else. I'm just trying to get you guys to see, guys and ladies here, to see the truth and not to be twisted away from it. It's not what I say. It's what the Word of God says. So if someone gives you false directions, if you know your way home, quote unquote, then no one can send you in the wrong direction. So you've got to know it for yourself. Otherwise, you can't worship God in spirit and in truth because you're worshiping Him, you're trying to worship Him in spirit, but then the truth side all of a sudden gets lost. Jesus didn't say that the Father's looking for someone to worship in spirit only. He's in spirit and in truth. So if He's telling us that the truth part is also important, then that means that it must be important. Okay? Because how many here know that it's very easy for you to worship the wrong thing? How many of you know it's possible to worship a lie? Stop and think. Look how many false religions are there. Look at, look, look at, look at, and all cultures have, 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 have worshipped something other than God. Worship the sun, worship a rock, worship a tree. Worship a late night, late night TV host. <laughs> yeah, yeah, amen, amen. Amen? You see, so it's easy. So that's why God says worship in spirit and in truth. Because you can give all of your heart and all of your energy and all your soul in supporting the wrong thing. You see? So yeah, love this God with all of your spirit, all of your mind, and all of your, your, your soul. Yeah. I love that rock with all of my spirit, all my mind, all my soul. I love that rock. I love that tree. But is that truth? But is that truth? Amen? So spirit and in truth. Okay? We must pursue God. Our our worship must be saturated with God's word and offered in submission to God's word in order for us to worship in truth. We must pursue God and know God as he has revealed himself to us in his word. John begins his gospel pointing us to the word. Go to John, the book of John. Big John, as they call it. As opposed to the little Johns in the Bible. John chapter 1. Oh, thank you, Jesus. John chapter 1. Okay? In spirit and in truth. John 1. And starting in verse number 1. In the beginning was the Word. 
Underline word, please, if you don't. You see it's a capital W. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God. And the Word was God. Now, of course, we know we're talking about Jesus. The same was in the beginning with God. All things were made by Him. And without Him was not anything made that was made. In Him was life, and the life was the light of men. And the light shineth in darkness, and the darkness comprehended it not. Or the darkness understood it not. Put a bracket around of all the verses 1 to 5 if you like, and, and underline the part there, uh, verse number 5 there. The light shineth in darkness, and the darkness comprehended it not. So they didn't understand it. They didn't understand Jesus. He was the light of the world. Yet still they seeked, they sought to destroy him. Okay? And we're talking about truth here. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things were made through Him, and without Him was not anything made that was made. The light was the life of men, light of men. The light shined in darkness. The darkness did not understand Him. If we are to worship in truth, we must have Christ. We must have Jesus Christ. Later in John's Gospel, Jesus said of himself, now let's go to John 14. Okay, we're talking about truth here now. So the truth begins with understanding Jesus. Okay, John 14, verse number 1. Let not your heart be troubled. If you have a red letter Bible, by the way, this is Jesus speaking because the letters are all written in red, the words are written in red. Let not your heart be troubled. You believe in God. Believe also in me. Please underline, you believe in God. Believe also in me. In my Father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you. I go to prepare a place for you. Please underline, I go to prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again. Please underline, I will come again. And receive you unto myself. That where I am, there you may be also. Please underline, that where I am, there you may be also. And whither I go, you know. And the way, you know. Thomas saith unto him, We know not whither thou goest, and how can we know the way? Jesus said unto him, I am the way, underline way, the truth, underline the truth, and the life, underline life. No man cometh unto the Father but by me. Okay? And I believe Brother Brandon mentioned this before under verse number 6, there where it says, I am the way, that means that you cannot get lost. This is the truth. Talking about worshiping God in spirit and in truth. Alright? You can't get lost. If you understand where he says that I, I am the truth, that means that you can't be deceived. Again, we get to worshiping God in spirit and in truth. So if you under, understand the truth part of that, means you can't be deceived. As I was saying before, you can go someplace else, hear somebody else speaking, be in the presence of others and so forth, and, and, and they will be expounding Jesus Christ, they will be talking about the Lord and so forth like that, but all of a sudden they're going off in left field, speaking something that is not in the Bible. 
And the interesting thing is that many, many times when I've run into people like that, and it's interesting how God will <laughs> sometimes have them cross my path, but um, when they'll make a statement about the word of God, and you say, okay, show me in the Bible where that is. They can't find it. Or at best, they'll find something that they're totally translating wrong, or interpreting wrong, I should say. Amen? So if you understand Jesus and you know that he's the way, you won't get lost, and that he's the truth, you cannot be deceived, and that he's the life, that means that you can't die. Okay? And of course, we're not talking about the physical death. The Bible again says it is an appointed man wants to die. Okay? But we're talking about the, 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 the afterlife, the, 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 the real life, the eternal life. And Jesus just said, I go to prepare a place for you. Okay? So that's the truth. Alright? The lie will come up to you from some, some, some places that are, uh, um, uh, oh, well, don't worry, you know, we've all been this way before. I was here before. I recall this land that I was on because I was a donkey walking on that land in the other, my previous life. You were a donkey, all right, to be polite. I walked on this land before. Oh, yes, I was here as a butterfly before. That is so far from being truth. There's no reincarnation. God is not so low on souls that he's got to recycle them. I've got to reuse this one. Amen? Amen? The word of God says that you are unique. God knew you and planned you before the foundations of this earth. Your life, your life, your life is unique. It's special. There's no one else like you. You know, I said to my dad one time, joking with him, I said, yo, boy, look at me, I'm just so great. After me, God broke the mold. My dad said, yeah, thank God. <laughs> Took me down a peg or two real quick. <laughs> okay, all right, all right. Yeah, thank God. Dad, you know. <laughs> all right, okay. You see, but, 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 but you are unique. All right, this is, this is truth. Okay? Understanding other things or buying into other things then keeps you from the truth, which then makes it hard for you to worship God in spirit and in truth. You can't say that you're worshiping God in spirit because I love you, Lord, I love you, love you, love you, love you, and not wanting to know everything about Him via His Word. If you're interested in someone, I mean, even as far as voting is concerned, I mean, gee whiz, you try to find out as much as you can about the individual. Amen? So why don't we read the Word of God to find out everything that we can possibly know about God so that we're not, so that we're not deceived. Worshiping God in spirit and, and in truth. Okay? Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. We go to John 17, um, John 17, and we see... John 17, and starting with verse number 1. These words spake Jesus, and lifted up his eyes to heaven, and said, Father, the hour is come. I glorify thy son, I'm sorry, glorify thy son, and thy son also may glorify thee. As thou hast given him power over all flesh, that he should give eternal life to as many as thou hast given him. Please in the line, he should give eternal life to as many as you have given him. Verse 3. 
And this is life eternal. Underline, this is life eternal. That they might know thee, the only true God, and Jesus Christ whom thou hast sent. Please underline, they might know thee, the only true God, and Jesus Christ whom thou hast sent. I have glorified thee on the earth. I have finished, I have finished, I have finished the work that thou hast given me to do. And now, O Father, underline that too also, I have finished the, the work which thou hast given me to do. And just to pause there for a moment. Everything that Jesus needed to do was done. So that means that we don't have to redo it. We don't have to continue sacrifices. Jesus did the final sacrifice. Jesus defeated the enemy. He defeated death. He defeated sickness. That does not need to be done again. We just need to remember to avail ourselves of the things that Jesus did, took care of, you know. If Jesus or someone went into, in, into Walmart or Macy's and whatever and just gave Macy's or Walmart all of this money and said, this is in the account of your name, anything that she or he walks in there to get, they just take it off the shelf and that's it. You don't have to go and repay Macy's and repay Walmart. It's already done. You just simply walk in there and take the things off the shelf. Well, the same thing for us. Jesus defeated sickness, so it's there. All we have to do is take it off the shelf. And that is by using God's word. By rebuking that spirit of infirmity. By confessing healing. With Jesus' stripes I am healed. Jesus defeated fear. We don't have to go and defeat that again. When we're fearful in our lives, we just have to go take it off the shelf. In the name of Jesus, I rebuke you, spirit of fear. God has not given me a spirit of fear, but of power, love, and a sound mind. Jesus did all of that. All we got to do is remember to take it off the shelf. We just have to remember what's on the shelf. You know? And thank God we don't have to commit that to memory, because it's written in God's Word. And the more you get God's Word in worship, in reading God's Word to get the truth, that truth will find its way down into your spirit. So you'll know what the answer is. So that when you wander into Macy's or Walmart, you don't have to figure out what aisle it's on. You can go straight to it. You don't have to be fumbling. Okay? But all of that comes from knowing, knowing the Word of God. Okay, verse number four again. I have glorified thee on the earth. Um, I have finished the work which thou gavest um, me to do. And now, O Father, glorify thou me with thine own self, with the glory which I had with thee before the world was. Please in the line, I had with thee before the world was. Okay. Now, how is this a truth? This reveals that Jesus always was. He was with God. Well, how long was Jesus with God? As long as God was God. Because Jesus is God. Head spinner, mind blower. Right? Right? We have one God, but, but three, three, three persons. A triune God, as it's called. Amen? As they're called. Okay? I was with thee before the world was. Verse 6. I have manifested thy name unto the men which thou gavest me out of the world. Thine they were, and thou gavest them me, and they have kept thy word. So these were men that were in the world. As you know, he went to Peter and Paul, uh, went, went to Peter and, and Simon Peter and so on and said, Follow me, follow me, follow me. And they stopped what they were doing and followed Jesus. 
Amen? Amen? Did you ever stop to think that while none of us are here, none of us that are here are fishermen, that Jesus told you to follow him? And maybe you didn't hear those specific words, follow me, but you chose to follow God. You're sitting here today because you chose to come to church when there are, I'm sure, many other things that you could be doing. But out of love for the Lord and wanting to know more about God and to spend time with Him, you chose to come here. So you were in the world and God pulled you out of that. Amen. And you willingly came. Okay. Verse number seven. Now they have known all, I'm sorry, now they have known that all things whatsoever thou hast given me are of thee. Okay, so everything that Jesus, that, that Jesus had came from the Father. For I have given unto them the words which thou gavest me, and they have received them, and have known, and have known surely that I came out from thee. And they have believed that thou didst send me. Underline, and they have believed that thou didst send me. Okay? Asking yourself that, do you believe that God sent Jesus? You see? You see? There's so many little things, you know, there's so many little things that we seem to separate and we don't, don't even stop to think about when we're, quote unquote, trying to worship God and to hold, lift God up in, in our lives. Do you really believe that God, that the Father sent Jesus? Verse number nine, I pray for them. I pray not for the world, but for them which thou hast given me. For they are thine, or for they are yours. And all mine are thine, and thine are mine, and I am glorified in them. And now I am no more in the world, for these are in the world, and I come to thee. Holy Father, keep through thine own name those whom thou hast given me, that they may be one as we are. See, so that's a prayer right there. Father, keep through my, my own name, keep through Jesus' name, those who, who God gave to Jesus, that, that, uh, that they may be one, that we may be one as we are. Okay? So in other words, Jesus' desire was that we would be one with the Father as he is one with the Father. This is the truth. This is the truth. Do you understand that truth? Do you factor that in when you're thinking about God? Do you factor that in when you're, when, when you're worshiping God, when you're praying to God? Or when you are considering your relationship to God, do you realize the importance of that? Verse number 12, while I was with them in the world, I kept them in thy name. Those that thou gave me I have kept, and none of them is lost, but the son of perdition, that the scripture might be fulfilled. Now, of course, he's talking about Judas there, okay? He's saying all of them, all of them are okay, so to speak, except for this one, the son of perdition, so that the scriptures might be fulfilled. And now come I to thee, and these things I speak to the world, that they might have my joy fulfilled in themselves. Please underline, that they might have my joy fulfilled in themselves. Again, this is worshiping in truth. Do you realize in worshiping God that the truth of the matter is, is that God's will, Jesus' will, is that, is that his joy should be fulfilled in you. So if you realize the truth that Jesus' will is that for his joy to be fulfilled in you, why do you run around depressed? Why do you run around sad? You know? We all have things that come up in our lives. We all have things that challenge us. Did you ever stop to realize that while you are feeling down, while you are feeling so depressed, while you are feeling so sad, 
Did you realize that the truth according to God's word, according to what Jesus said, is that that's not God's will for you? So if it's not God's will for you to be sad or depressed, then why are you putting yourself outside of God's will by letting yourself be sad and depressed? You see? You see? This is where I get to where I say that, that, that it, it, it's almost an oxymoron. It's, it's almost impossible for you to say that I am worshiping God if you're not worshiping God in spirit and in truth. I mean, if you're worshiping in spirit, where you're really worshiping Him with all of your heart and with all of your mind and with all of your strength, but then the truth portion is not there. You see? You see? And, 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 and then this is where and why in the beginning when I first started I said that If we have things going on in our lives that are troubling us and are challenging us and we kind of go down the checklist, am I going to church, am I tithing, am I praying, am I reading the word, then start asking yourself, how am I worshiping God? Okay? Because if you're worshiping God with all of your heart and all of your mind and the spirit side is right, but if the truth side is wrong... Okay? And the truth side could be wrong in that, in that just that particular case. If, if you're sad, if you're feeling depressed and you're worried about something, then you're not worshiping in truth because what did Jesus just say here? Okay? Okay, well, what, what did he say? All right, all right, that, that, that you should have the same joy that he has. So if you're feeling constant sadness or deep sadness or deep depression about something, you need to check how you're worshiping God. And how you're understanding what God really said about that. Because otherwise, my heart is in it. Boy, oh boy, man. Here I am. I'm driving to New York. I'm in my car. I've got the pedal to the metal. I'm doing 100 miles an hour. Well, let me, let me not break the law. I'm doing 75 miles an hour. Driving to, driving to Manhattan. Here I come. Okay, got food in the car. Got water. Blankets and stuff just in case. I'm on the way. I'm driving, man. My heart is in this. I'm going to get there by such and such a time. And guess what? I go and pull up Google Maps. And I'm driving in the wrong direction. Going in the wrong direction. The way I'm going, I'm going to wind up going further west and in the, in the uh, Pacific Ocean. But was I driving? Was I fully committed? Oh, yeah. I was fully committed in driving that. All the stuff that I needed, I'm going speedy there. Well, the same thing could be in our worship lives. We can be real gung-ho about what we're doing. But the truth is missing. The truth is missing. This is why God said, I'm looking for those who worship me in spirit and in truth. God the Father, God said this. We're not looking for those that are just all pent up and hepped up on me in, in, in just the spirit. Because if they don't have the truth there, then they're worshiping remiss. Amiss. They're off the mark, off the target. Okay, all right. So, so, so we continue here. Um, let's pick up in, in verse fourteen. We'll do thirteen again. And now I come to thee, and these things I speak in the uh, in the world, that they might have my joy fulfilled in themselves. I have given them thy word. Please underline. I have given them thy word, and thy word, and and the world hath hated them, because they are not of the world, even as I am not of the world. Okay? So, being not of the world, meaning that you don't operate by the world's standards. While we are in this world, we are not citizens of this world, so to speak. 
The true us, when you become a born-again Christian, a born-again child of God, you, you, you become part of God's family. You are adopted into God's family. So we are really citizens of, of, of heaven, citizens of God's kingdom. We are tasked with living here in this earth, but we're not driven by these world standards. It doesn't mean we break the law, but I'm saying that we, we, we are not driven by the world standards. We don't lie, we don't cheat, we don't figure out ways to get back at people just for getting back at people. We, we don't live by those standards. Amen? 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 So, so, so he says that, Jesus said, I've given them your words, and the world has hated them. And we see that playing out more and more and more. We see our Christianity is under attack. You, you, you know, and many times we Christians, and we need to not let ourselves um, fall to this, is that we start denying Jesus in our lives simply because of the fact that those that talk about God and religion and Jesus Christ are criticized more and more. You've got to be bold about it. Don't be ashamed to tell somebody at work that I'm a believer. Yeah, I'm a believer. Shout it from the rooftops. You know? The interesting thing is, whether you want to hide it or not, it kind of comes out that you're a believer. And God forbid that you're there as a believer and you're doing everything against the word of God. On your break, instead of going to, to have a, a, a juice or a soda, you're in the, in the men's or ladies' room shooting crap. You know, you're gambling and you're doing everything counter to the word of God. And you're running around, you know, talking about, oh yeah, I'm a Christian, you know. But, but, but how, many, how many of us sitting in this sanctuary have at one time or another someone come up when it finally came out that you were a believer, a child of God, believed in Jesus Christ, that the person looked at you and said, you know, I always spotted something different about you. I knew, that, I knew, I knew there was something different about you. You see? Okay? All right? So, 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 so the world can indeed hate us or dislike us for the positions that we stand, okay? But I tell you something, in a heartbeat, in a heartbeat, I'd rather the guy next door to me, on both sides of me, in front of me, behind me, hate me till the cows come home. And as long as I'm pleasing God, I know where I'm going. God is the one that matters. Not what your neighbor or your co-worker or your boss thinks, okay? Because I guarantee you one thing too, those of us who may be hesitant to talk about who we are at work openly. Now, I'm not saying that you've got to grab your Bible and walk up and down the office place there. You know, you know, repent, repent, pray, and all that stuff and beating people over the head with the Bible. I'm not saying that you need to do that. Okay? Okay? But God, God will make the opportunity for you to let people know who you are. And by your positions and not doing things that people in the office might be willing to do. By just taking a stand and saying, no thank you, but I don't participate. Okay, all right? And please the Father rather than please those that you work with because God is the one that is control, in control of your, of your eternal life. Amen, amen, amen. The world both hated them because they are not of the world even as I am not of the world. I pray not that thou should take them out of the world but that thou should keep them from the evil. Okay, God is, is begging you, asking you to let him watch over you. To let him be there for you. They are not of the world, even as I am not of the world. Sanctify them through thy truth. Yeah, I'm sorry. Sanctify them through thy truth. Thy word is truth. Please highlight all of verse number 17. Sanctify them through thy truth. Thy word is truth. Alright, so there we are with the truth part again. God gives us Christ who is truth. 
and His Word. His Word is truth, as we just read. It is through the Word of God that we know Christ and know the Gospel. As the Spirit of God illumines the Word in our hearts and gives us understanding of truth. Okay? So as we're reading the Word of God and we're getting the Word of God deep down inside of us, your mind will be illumined, your mind will be lighted up, you're, you're, you will be enlightened into understanding what God's real truth is. You know? And it's so easy for you to do that. You know? And it is the thing is I find it so fascinating how the enemy sends all of those people our way that would try to pervert the truth from us or steal the truth from us, or we wind up sometimes being in situations where everything surrounding us is not truth. And it's just interesting, it's fascinating why, you know, if, 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 if what I'm saying and believing is so wrong, why do these untruths, why do these untruth people spend so much time trying to convince me that I'm wrong? Amen? Amen. So this is where you have to be, be first of all, bold enough and understanding enough to know what truth really is. And what, what did Jesus say? Sanctify them through my truth, thy word is truth. Which means that you've got to know the word of God. And it's hard for us when you can't know the Word of God without reading it. I don't know if some of, some of you who are of my vintage remember that at one time there was a, a thing that was going around there that if you were studying, all you had to do was to put, a, to put the textbook under your pillow and sleep on it. So you're nodding, you remember. Yeah, yeah. Right, you put your head on the pillow and, and just sleep on it. Then when you wake up miraculously, you know, you'll understand everything in the text. And that is so far from being the truth. Okay, but many people obviously understood it. Many people, many people believed there was a craze that was called a pet rock craze at one time. That people literally were buying rocks and giving them names. I, mean, I kid you not, and giving them names. And people were talking to these rocks. It went so far and got so crazy and out of hand that I remember that in Manhattan, up on the Upper East Side there in this ritzy neighborhood, uh, this, this guy hung out a shingle and he, was, he dubbed, himself, dubbed himself as the rock psychiatrist. Where you could actually bring your rock for, for, for psychiatric treatment. And this guy made a fortune. I kid you not, I kid you not, because it became so trendy for you to have this rock. I kid you not. Look it up, on, I'm sorry if you Google it, you'll, you'll find it. All right. You see, so I'm just saying that how quickly people can believe an, a, a, an untruth or a non-truth and yet still shy away from the truth. Sanctify them through thy truth, thy word is truth. Both are necessary for satisfying uh, and honoring uh, and giving God honoring worship. Spirit without truth, spirit without truth leads to a shallow, overly emotional experience that could be compared to a high. All right, let me read that again. Spirit without truth leads to a shallowy, overly emotional experience that could be compared to a high. As soon as the emotion is over, then the fervor cools and so does the worship. All right? So this worship in truth in spirit means that we can just get here and get all caught up in, in feeling good and feeling good while we're here. You know? I remember saying to someone, you know, oh, oh I went to so-and-so, so-and-so church, da 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 You know, oh... What was the message about? She looked at her husband back and forth, a couple of minutes. Oh, but they had a dynamite choir service and band service going there, man. The music was boy, oh boy. The music was rock, boy, oh boy. You know? They remember the words, but they remember the jumping around and the feel good. But once that's all gone, it's like you're coming down from a high. What's there? Okay? What's there to, to sustain you? As soon as the emotion is over, and it cools down. So does the worship. Truth without spirit 
can result in a dry, passionless encounter that can easily lead to a form of joyless legalism. Alright, we start talking about being legalistic about the Bible. The best combination of both aspects of worship results in a joyous appreciation of God informed by Scripture. Okay? You can't have one without the other. The more we know about God, the more we appreciate Him. The more we appreciate Him, the deeper our worship. Think about that. Okay? Alright? The more you know about God, the more you can appreciate what He did for you. And the more we appreciate, the deeper our worship. And then, the deeper our worship, the more God is glorified. Is God glorified in your life? Okay. Do you really feel good at the end of the day about your day? Now I'm not saying at the end of the day you have to say, boy, you know, I saved 17 babies from a burning fire and I ran through and did this and did that. Okay. But as best as you could, was God glorified by the actions that you took? And glorifying God doesn't mean recognition from somebody else. Glorifying God is knowing that you did what God wanted you to do in a given situation. In a given situation. Okay? Did I glorify God by my actions? Because you never know who may have been watching you. You never know what may come about because of a decision that you made by doing the right thing in God. Amen? 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 God is spirit. And those who worship him must worship in spirit and in truth. This has significant implications for us as we worship God today. As we plan worship and lead worship and participate in worship, there are two things we must do that are most essential. We must really saturate or fill our services with the word of God. We're going to get off on all sorts of trendy, trendy discussions. You know, you know, you know, you know. You, you can always tell. Did the message have any scriptures references in it? Was it one reference scripture? Or did the speaker speak for, you know, a half an hour with one reference scripture and the rest was talking about, you, you, you know, things that are going on today around the world or some other, you know, psychological something or whatever. You know? You know, and I'm not knocking people or anything like that, but, but, but again, we're talking about spirit and truth, and I, and I feel the unction to, to say it, so I'm going to just say it. And, and I, see so many, I, I see so many studies being done, I see so many Bible studies that are being conducted, and they're using a textbook. A textbook is not the Word of God. A textbook is written by a man. And we're having Bible study, and we're, and we're studying, have you seen that book called the so-and-so, the so-and-so? You know, was that in the... In the that, well, that's our, our Bible study. We're using that as our theme for this semester. For this semester. Where, where's the Word of God? You're not studying the Bible. You're studying the book. You're not studying the Bible. And you've got to be so careful there because those books, as good as they are, I'm not knocking Christian books. There are some awesome Christian books out there. They really, really are. They really are. There are awesome Christian books that are worthwhile reading. But you've got to keep them in context to the Bible. Because again, the book is written by a man. So if the book that you're reading is taking you away from what the Bible is saying, you need to be very, very careful. And again, I'm only mentioning this now, I feel, because we're talking about worshiping God in spirit and in truth, and you need to stick to the truth part. You've got to make sure you're sticking to the truth part. We must saturate our services with the Word of God. We must read it and preach it and pray it and sing it. We must obey it and follow its instructions as we order our services of worship. 
We must pray for the presence and power of the Spirit. We must pray for the presence and power of Holy Spirit. We need God's Spirit to enliven our spirits and illumine His Word if we are able, if we are to hear and understand and respond rightly to His Word. So we can't be listening to a service or listening to His Word unless we're being enlightened and empowered by Holy Spirit. You understand what I'm saying there? Okay? The only reason that you know something is not right if you're, is, is by the Holy Spirit of God. Alright? That will help you to separate the wheat from the chaff. Okay? If you're sitting and you're hearing things that are being lifted up as truth, first of all, if you know the Word of God, you'll know it's not truth. But if you're really, really opening yourself to the Holy Spirit and asking Him to guide you and to open your eyes so that you can see and, and hear and understand... When you hear something or see something that is not of God, you'll know because Holy Spirit will inform you. That's what I'm trying to say. Does that make sense to you? Amen? Amen. Okay. So, so you know, you, you, you're not sitting here by yourself. You're not, you, we're not in this building by ourselves. Alright? You, you, you never are. We certainly invite God... Holy Spirit and Jesus to, to join us and to stay with us, I should say, because God is always with you through all of our services. So if you're letting Holy Spirit guide you, then you will indeed know if something is amiss. May God grant us all hearts that are sensitive to the presence of His Spirit, of His Spirit and also submissive to His truth as it is proclaimed whenever we gather in His name to worship. So when you're coming to worship, you should be opening yourselves to God, looking for Holy Spirit, asking for Holy Spirit, seeking Him, and truly worshiping with all of your heart, all of your mind, with all of your spirit. Again, anything that you've ever really, really wanted in life. Those of you who are gadget nuts probably know this better than anyone, but boy, a new gadget comes out, boy, and you wind up trying to get that thing, and you check Amazon, you read the reviews, you go all over the internet scamming and reading to see what it is. You can probably see a lot of people laughing and stuff, because you know exactly what I'm saying. You put a whole lot into finding out the best deal and the best way and the fastest way to get that item. Amen? Amen? Well, it's got, it's got to be the same thing with God. At that point in time, you're trying to find that thing with all of your spirit, all of your mind, with all of your soul, you know, and so to speak. You're really, really after getting that thing. Well, this is where we need to be with God. Worshiping Him in spirit and in truth. Amen? Praise God. I hope this message was a blessing to you. And now, before we close, let us honor God with our tithes and offerings.